Welcome to Kitchen Table Magic. I'm your host, Sam Tang. Each episode, I sit down with an inspiring person from the magic community. We hang out on their kitchen table to talk about Magic the Gathering as they share stories from the journey of their lives. This is episode 8. I'm talking to Kenji Egashira, also known as Numoth the Nummy. Kenji's popular stream on Twitch has earned him a lot of fans, and in the process, Kenji has become one of the best limited players in the MTG community. Kenji has also done coverage for the Magic Online Championship Series, and played in the Community Super League and Streamer Showdown events hosted by Wizards. Kenji shares with us how he got started with streaming, and a little bit about what he does in his downtime. I really enjoyed talking with Kenji, I hope you enjoy this episode of Kitchen Table Magic. Hey everyone, thanks for being on Kitchen Table Magic. I'm your host, Sam Tang, and I'm here today with Numat the Nummy, Kenji Egashira. Hey Kenji, how are you doing? I am doing fantastic. A little a little tired, but that is, that is the norm these days. <laughs> I understand how that is. You're busy. You stream, you do YouTube videos, you commentate, you do Community Super League. You've got a lot going on. I Maybe, maybe too many things these days, but uh, you know, it, it's all for the, the good of magic, and I love it. Yes, it is really for the good of the community. And I must say, we love you. You've been putting out so much amazing content. I'm really happy that you're here right now. I mean, I've gotten so many marriage proposals these last few years. It's, it's, it's crazy. Just alpha magic alone, obviously. Really? Marriage proposals? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. I was watching one of your uh, streams the other day, and on the, on the chat history, there was, oh, it's Kenji, swoon. <laughs> and a lot of people chimed in on that swoon sentiment. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, once you get the blazer on and stuff like that, it's, uh, it's a whole new me. <laughs> I love that. Well, you know, Kenji, I just want to get started from the beginning. When did you start playing Magic? Oof. Started... Well, I say playing, but that's in quotations, uh, around when I was like nine or 10 years old, but that was really just collecting the cards. Uh, I have an older cousin named Daniel and, uh, he played and, you know, being the younger cousin looking up to him, I thought, oh man, he's so cool. I want to get into this game, but it was more about the art of the cards more than playing the cards at that age. Um, I didn't really start playing until, eh, you know, maybe a year or two after that. So 11 or 12, I would say. Okay. Yeah. Which block did you play? Uh, I vividly remember starting around Tempest, uh-huh. if I remember correctly, but that was the collecting part of the cards. I don't think I started actually playing until more Invasion block area, or rather, there's a Saga block area too. I love it. We like started playing Magic kind of around the same time, and I totally, I totally connect with what you said about collecting in terms of art. Because when I was a kid, I was cat sitting for like a neighbor and she did packaging for Wizards of the Coast. So she gave me like a couple booster packs and I was like, I don't know what this is, but I would open it up and look at the art and just be fascinated. Oh, I know. And, you know, I'd go to garage sales and pick up all these old magic books. They'd be the, the books from like 1998 or something, you know, telling you, oh, man, you need to pick up your necropotences, even though they're bad or, you know, just silly things like that. And it's, it's great. Oh, my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. And so your cousin taught you how to play. And then you just after that, you just like started to play with friends. Yeah, more or less so. It was pre-Pokemon era um, back in the day. Well, before Pokemon cards anyways, which were a huge thing in schools once they always come out. But Magic was like the precursor for my playgroup and friends. And so I think it was me that it was that introduced my group of friends to Magic. And, uh, you know, we'd always go to F&Ms and stuff like that. Me, a lot more religiously than any of them. But uh, yeah, you know, I played all, all through school and it's just stuck with me ever since. That's awesome. Did you ever find that as you were playing and learning more about the game that there was a distinctive level up moment when you were like, I'm kind of a casual and now I'm like, oh, wow, like I'm a competitor now? 
Oh, that was definitely when I started playing on Magic Online. Uh-huh. Uh, which wasn't until I think I started college or maybe, maybe my senior year of high school. Uh, until then it was very casual. You know, I'd go to FMMs a lot, but I wasn't really, I wasn't really a real competitor. I'd go to a PTQ every now and then, but I never had any huge aspirations or even thoughts that I would do well enough to make, uh, you know, a pro tour by winning the pro tour qualifier. So it wasn't until I started online, which allowed me to play not only a lot more frequently, but against a lot better uh, opponents that my game started improving drastically. Yeah. And when did you decide to stream online continuously? Uh, I've always been a big fan of watching streams. You know, it, back in the day before Twitch, it was called like Justin.tv. That's right. Um, so I'd always watch streams and I'd be like, oh man, this is really interesting. And then when I started, I used to watch StarCraft and all the other big esports games. Yeah. And then I started watching people playing Magic. I'm like, oh, that's cool. I bet you I could probably do this better or more entertaining. Mm-hmm. And uh, kind of went from there. I started doing it every once in a while, had some fun doing it, and uh, kind of snowballed. Very cool. And when did you come up with your username, Numat the Nummy? <laughs> that was actually the same time that I started playing on Magic Online. That was my Magic Online account name. Um, so my group of friends and I played Commander a lot, EDH. Numat Devastator was my very first Commander. And so when I started playing online, you know, they asked for a username. And I'm like, hmm, Numot, Numot. And then I just went with something with alliteration, uh, the nummy, as in, you know, maybe you're like feeding a baby and it's nummy. It's like num, 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 nummy. I, I, I don't even ask you why. That's, that, is, that is the origin of Numot the nummy. <laughs> okay. I've always wanted to ask because if you're like passing very quickly, you think it's like Numot the mummy. And I was like... A mummy, and then, and then I looked closely, and I was like, "Numat the Devastator," and then I looked even more closely, I was like, "Numat the Nummy." Oh, I, <laughs> so, I've, I've heard so many different iterations of my name, or what people think it is versus what where they think it came from, and et cetera, et cetera. That's awesome. Well, what formats do you play? Oof, uh, it is probably at this point ninety percent limited. Any given set, I will probably draft it two hundred times online, which is absurd to think about. For instance, how many times would you draft a set? How many times have you drafted Shadows of Reinistrad? I would say three times in the last four months or something. Three times, exactly. Three times, yeah. Yeah, and so I do easily three times a day, if not, you know, five, six times a day. So that's just amplified so much more than the the normal person. Um, Yeah, Limited is by far the, the number one format that I play, but I've been playing a lot more constructed recently, traveling to GPs. Uh, as you said before, leveling up. It went from like, you know, casual FNMs to Magic Online, which was kind of a level up. But it was, I was still not very competitive. I wasn't really traveling to GPs, anything like that. It was just, I was playing more against better people. So I was getting better. And more recently, I've been traveling more and uh, putting up better results. Nice. Kenji, would you ever double Q while online playing draft? Double Q? That's, that's child's game. I've, <laughs> I've <laughs> uh, pentacued before, I believe. Wow. Yeah, back in back in the day when um, 2011, 2012, on the old client, it's a little, a little bit harder to do it on the new client now, but uh, this was before I would stream. I, I don't think I, I've ever pentacued on stream. I've, I think I've triple queued on stream plenty of times, mm-hmm. but it's just a lot worse as a visual experience for the viewer if I'm just constantly tabbing back and forth and they can't get a good grasp of what's going on in any given game. And obviously you have a very good grasp on what's going on in the game. Uh, that's that's arguable, but uh, a better grasp than what the viewer would see, I would say. <laughs> 
Yeah, I've seen、um, LSV do some double queuing once, and I was thoroughly confused. <laughs> I was like, I was more confused, not so much about the gameplay, because it's kind of like if you're at an FNM and you look over at one table and you look over at another table, you could kind of keep track of what's going on in two games. But I just don't know the client well enough to be able to know when I'm being kicked off of another like thing for like slow play and like. Being entered into another one, I just and like like yeah, like making the wrong pick or something like that, or not getting back in time. You're not playing、uh, as methodically. It's more about autopilot mode once you're in that many queues. But you know, if you've been playing long enough or you've been doing it long enough, it's a lot of that comes、uh, second nature. And is playing autopilot something to strive for if you're wanting to improve your magic play? Oh, certainly not. Autopilot,、uh, you're making mistakes, or you're not thinking about what you could have done better.、Uh, you're more just like, oh, you know, he drew this at the right time, or I didn't draw my land, stuff like that. You're not thinking about what you could have actually done. You're thinking about what was already out of your control. Hmm. So, therefore, what is the purpose of multiple queuing then? Uh, <laughs> I would say a lot of times multi queuing on stream these days is because you know there's a lot of downtime on Magic. You finish one match, and there might be a half an hour left before you play again. So you're like, "Well, okay, I'll go ahead and just join another one." So、uh, you know, I keep entertaining the audience. Got it. Yeah. Or in like the sake,、uh, the example of me before I started streaming,、uh, boredom, or maybe not necessarily boredom, but、um, just a real—I don't know what's the word I'm looking for—a real <laughs>、uh, obsession, I guess. Uh huh. Yeah, just an obsession to play Magic and just continue continuously play no matter what. Yeah, I hear that. You said that you were playing some Constructed recently. Yes. Is it Modern Standard Legacy? Ah,、uh, recently just played Modern down at Grand Prix LA, which was a few weeks ago. I've been playing a lot of Modern and Standard. I I try not to go to Legacy too much. I don't know that format nearly as well. Ah,、uh, but I've got a good grasp on Standard and a pretty decent grasp on Modern. So yeah, those are the ones I've been playing. What do you play in modern? Was playing Splinter Twin until the bannings, and then I picked up Infect, and、uh, it's it's been fun. You know, it's people think you just need to count to ten for Infect, which you do, but there are a lot of small details that you know, even the smallest mistake, and a game that you might have been able to win, you are just already out of. It's kind of like Burn. You, like, it's not simple. You have to be methodical and thoughtful about it. Exactly. Yeah. What are you playing in standard? Oh. <laughs> I've been brewing up some clue decks in standard. Now they're not tier one by any means, but、uh, graph moles and Tamio's journals, tireless trackers,、uh, just just really fun things. I don't know if you were watching Community Super League, but on one of the weeks, our challenge was to to build around a specific card, and mine was Tamio's journal.、Mm-hmm. And so every card I put in the deck synergized with clues. Or investigating, and、uh, my win con was second harvesting enough clues because they're tokens, cool, and they're artifacts to eventually tutor out a gear up for either grid with the Tamio's journal and deal enough damage by tapping the clues to deal one to my opponent with either grid for each clue I had. That's awesome, Kenji. I wanted to ask you when you started doing coverage for Watsi. Coverage.、Um, the- Remember correctly, the first time I did coverage was actually about a year ago、uh, for the Magic Online Championships. They were looking for some fresh, quote unquote, talent. I, I wouldn't call myself talent necessarily, but they were looking for some、uh, fresh talent. 
and uh, I've been streaming, you know, Magic Online for so long that they're like, hey, maybe maybe this would be a good opportunity to, to try him out. Uh, you know, he's got experience in front of a camera, and talking to an audience, et cetera, et cetera. And so they sent me a message, and uh, when the Magic Online Championships happened last year, they brought me in, and I was doing floor reporting. I wasn't really doing any, or very much anyway, uh, of the actual commentary in the booth. I was doing more of, you know, interviewing the players, but uh, from there, it, it kind of just exploded, similar to the streaming thing, and I was just offered more and more opportunities to do the commentary. So uh, it's a real recent thing in my life doing commentary for Magic, but it's it's really fun. It is really fun. You have to be on your toes, right? Yes, you do. You have to. I mean, people want to make sure, out of the viewer, anyways. You, you know, they want to hear people that are intelligent and that know what's going on in the game of Magic. And a lot of times, it's 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 difficult to do if you just jump into a game. You know, you're not going to see every single line of play. Uh, you just do the best you can, and I think playing as much Magic Online as I have has been a good experience for that. When you were doing coverage for other formats, did you have to prepare specifically for them? Just making sure that I knew the card names a lot better than maybe I would normally, just randomly jumping into a draft or something like that. You know, just making sure the, the pronunciations were correct, uh, the card names of the big name cards were already memorized so I wouldn't stumble and be like, oh, he played an ox that's a 2-4 uh, <laughs> Inquisitor's ox. Yeah, you know, something like that. So it explode smoothly. Yeah. yeah, definitely I would be like, yeah, that, that one ox thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I know a lot of times casually and, and like game shops and things were just like, yeah, that, that one thing that does the burn thing and people are like, yeah, that one, that, that madness one. <laughs> yeah, they, I mean, they know what it does and they know what you're talking about, but the, the name escapes them, right? And so obscure, I guess. <laughs> so that was like a little bit of a shift. Like you already knew a lot of the interactions, you knew a lot of the decks and uh, you're skilled in playing Magic Live and talking about it, but you just had to kind of figure out a little bit more about the cards and a little bit more about the specific details, the little things, right? Well, it wasn't even just that, but yes, there was a lot of that, but it was more about the transitions of doing live coverage. Um, like I wasn't too worried about the gameplay or knowing the cards. It was getting the cues from like the director or, you know, making sure I was throwing it over to a different uh, part of the coverage, just making sure that the, the coverage part of it was was clean uh, was the hardest part for me. That's very exciting. Yeah, no, it's 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 definitely improved. I, I just did the mocks coverage um, what, about a month ago, maybe even less than that, a month ago uh, for the second time, and I yeah. think I definitely improved, so that was nice. Yeah, yeah. What did that feel like for you, Kenji, when you complete something like that or when you're in it? You know, it, it's actually very very draining but it, it definitely feels good man it's a twitchy emote by the way feels good man little frog face smiley but uh you know because it's a ton of talking it's a ton of mental capacity being used right because you have to think of like magic is not an easy game by any means there are so many different things going on at any given time so many different formats for the, the magic online championships like they were playing draft they were playing standard they were playing legacy they were playing modern so is, you know, you have to change your mindset for each of these things and understand what's going on. I think being able to, to do that and the way I did it was actually very, very good. I was watching a little bit of that coverage. You did a great job. They put me on the red zone, which was like the uh, I had to watch replays of some of the non-featured matches that were going on and kind of like fire rapid style, you know, the, the play by play. And so it was like, OK, well, he played a land and a Tyler's tracker and then the land triggered and he sacrificed the clue and he gave the tracker plus one plus one. But then his opponent, fiery impulse, didn't respond. So, you know, it was... <laughs> It was very quick. That's almost like calling a sporting game. It's like calling a football game or calling a race at like the Kentucky Derby. Yeah, yeah, no, like in the in the red zone, it was a lot more just 
say what's happening, say what's happening. Don't worry about the lines of play that they could take. It was a lot different than I was used to. But then again, I, I had chances to do covers in the booth as well, where, you know, uh, I was talking with LSV and he, he'd be the, the expert and I'd be the play by play. So I'd narrate and say, Oh, you know, why would he do this? And then Luis Gonzalez would be like, Oh, well, he did this because I think blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera. It reminds me a little bit of uh, coverage and, and like play-by-plays for other esports. I remember there was a time when StarCraft II came out and there was an outser. I don't remember his name, but he would be saying a lot of uh, terrible, terrible damage. And I'm wondering for a time in which magic can pick up a, a little quirk like that. <laughs> Hopefully soon. I know they're trying to move magic into the more esporty world. At least that's, that's what they're trying to say anyways mm-hmm. we'll have to see how it goes magic's a lot harder to move into the esports world than say other blizzard games or something like that or first person shooters so uh, i'm hoping we will get there but uh i'm not holding my breath okay then in that case then we're counting on you kenji to get in there and, and say like terrible terrible damage or <laughs> make a clue pun you have to make a clue pun the next time you're on community super league if you're playing any kind of clue brew deck right oh don't worry the, the community super league has been full of puns, good and bad, from all sorts of people. So I'm not worried about that. That's amazing. And talking more about the Community Super League, how was it playing with other Magic personalities? Oh, it's always great. Um, I think I already knew most, if not all, of the people that I was uh, playing with in the Community Super League. So it, it was really easy, secondhand nature. You know, we just talk and joke back and forth. And then, you know, play the game, of course, because we're actually there to play some games. But it's the Community Super League is more about having fun than uh, being competitive. Yeah. What do you get if you win? Um, I'm actually not sure. I, I know there's something. Uh, there, there are two separate titles. There's like the, the one for actually getting the most match points. And then there's one for Brewmaster. Uh-huh. So if you have like the sweetest decks uh, overall every single week, then you get some kind of prize. I'm not actually sure what they are. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. So yeah, Watsi, to get you on to CSL, they were just like, hey, you're well-known, let's let's do this. Oh, this was uh, actually the brainchild of Randy Bueller. Um, and then, you know, Watsi got, got behind it. He Randy's the one that's been pushing all of these Super League, the Vintage Super League, the Standard Super League, the Community Super League, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So he's the one that uh, that really pushed for this one. And I think it's been a fun one. Yeah, that's very cool. Is this uh, maybe a, a thought or some kind of a pondering from Watsi to go into more like a league system or? Definitely. I think I think they're thinking more about that. I mean, they have more online leagues now, which were introduced uh, recently. And that's that's definitely been a thing that people have really, really enjoyed. It's quick. It's easy. You don't have to put too much time commitment. The types of leagues so far, they have a wide variety. I mean, they even have Popper, which is all commons online right now. But some of the more obscure formats are still not online. I wanted to change gears a little bit and talk a little bit more about your content. Absolutely. I was just kind of poking around your YouTube channel, and I found a pretty sweet playlist about you doing musical covers. <laughs> yeah, go on. <laughs> <laughs> there was some pretty sweet stuff. There was Mulan. There was a couple other songs. And there was also a pretty sweet saxophone cover. I think you play the saxophone. I do. I used to play it in uh, high school, and then I recently picked it back up about a, like a year ago or something, very casually. Have you ever thought of like, um, like on your stream, like in between when you're kind of taking a break, busting out the saxophone and doing a little bit of like careless whisper, a little George Michael? Oh no, I've definitely done some uh, musical streams late at night, whether it be piano or singing or playing the saxophone. Those those have all made multiple appearances on my stream. You're quite talented. You can play the piano. You can play the saxophone. You can sing. 
I, with with all varying degrees of success, yes, I, that is accurate. <laughs> But I think that's great because there's like another side to you that most people don't know about. I definitely didn't know that. Yeah, no, I, I love music.、Um, it's been a huge part of my life and. You know, it, like I'm not very good at it, but I love learning new songs on the piano, stuff like that. It's just, it's, it's very relaxing, very calming, and、uh, I think it's, it's just good for you, you know, to, to work your brain in a different way. And well, if you're singing or playing the saxophone, your lungs as well. Absolutely, it's definitely not so great to just be sitting around all the time, and it's good to kind of change things up a bit. And I also know that when Albert Einstein was coming up with his theories of relativity, he'd take a break and he would play the violin, and that would light up a very specific part of his brain that would help him do a lot of problem solving and a lot of abstract thinking. And especially since magic is such a cerebral game, the the music probably helps a bit. Oh, I'm sure it does in some way. I mean, I learned something new, you know, about Albert Einstein, but、uh, it, it's really good. And More on the fact of you know sitting on my butt all day playing magic. That's why I, I just try to force myself to get up and do something. It's because when you're when you're on the computer all day playing magic, even if you're just, even if you're streaming it, you know, trying to make a living, it it can be very easy to to get in that motion of oh well maybe I'll just sit here for the rest of the day as well after I'm done streaming and play some other games or something like that. But、uh, I've I've been trying to be active and keep all aspects of my life in good condition. Yeah, good balance. What kind of other things are you doing to stay active?、Uh, predominantly going for runs and going to the gym, but、um, I try to do something that's you know away from the computer a lot of time. But that that being said, I do spend sixty, seventy hours in front of a computer every week. If no, if not more, that's like ballpark estimate. But just off my feet and doing something. I, I see sometimes on your streams you're mentioning Soylent and you're sponsoring that product.、Um, how was it for? Like staying and like in terms of like nutrition and staying active and staying fit and getting the right nutrition. It's got a ton of. I mean, I'm, I can't list them all off on the top, the top of my head, but it's got basically every nutritional value that you're looking for in, in a meal. And it's it's more about the convenience for me. You know, if I'm streaming, I don't want to take the time to cook up you know a 15 minute pork chop or something.、Um, I can just open the fridge, grab a soda, and drink it on stream real quick.、Uh, and the convenience is so nice. Yeah, does it have like dairy or gluten in it, or、uh, it is dairy and gluten free? Wow, so it is pretty like scientifically measured.、Uh, people always make the jokes, "Oh, Soylent, Soylent is people," you know, because <laughs> of the movie. But、uh, that's actually the reason they are、uh, one of the reasons they came up with the name. So it's a little playoff. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I saw that and I had to do a double take, but I was like, "Nah, no, I, I know it's just a brand name." <laughs> yeah, it's actually growing, or you know, becoming a lot more popular, but.、Uh, I think a lot of people are still hesitant about it, trying it out. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. But you, how long have you been、uh, taking it for? Probably since early, or late last year, sometime. So what are we in May right now? Yeah, like five months, six、uh-huh. months, I'd say. And and you thought it was pretty good. It hasn't bothered you and been helping you out with your with your head and things. No, it's just it's it's super convenient. Again, it's just like I don't do the three meals a day thing. I do more of you know small a lot of small meals throughout the day. So I, I usually have one around lunchtime or a little bit after lunchtime, and it's just really easy.、Um, the taste, the flavor, a lot of you know obviously a lot of people ask about this. It tastes like honestly, it tastes like if you have a bowl of Cheerios、mm-hmm. and you eat all the Cheerios and you have the leftover milk. Oh, it, it tastes like that. Yeah, it, it, it's a little bit bland, but it's it's, it's like a little bit milky and.、Um, Cereal flavored, but there are like one of my viewers sent me a flavoring package, so you can just put a few drops of this flavor in your soil, and you can you know make milkshakes with it or anything like that. It's because it's it's really neutral, so it mixes well with a lot of things. Yeah, 
I know there's been a lot of talk about healthy and active lifestyles in the gaming world. Um, you know, Magic players, we're not particularly active because we're sitting so long when we're primarily doing the main activity, which is playing Magic. And so I've spoken to Travis Wu and Adam Yurchik. They're both pros, and they've been talking a lot about tournament prep. And when you're in a tournament, like how should you be eating? How should you be mattering your caloric intake? How should you be you know, going outside, getting some fresh air and things like that? Have you thought about those kinds of topics? Oh, definitely. I think a lot of people, Magic players especially, and especially when they're at like a tournament like a Grand Prix where it's, you know, day one is nine, ten hours potentially. The only food accessible to you is expensive, bad vendor food, you know, like pizza or uh, super greasy burgers, that type of thing. Uh, and just bringing like a bottle of water and some granola bars and apple, or if you have a Soylent even, I'm completely serious. Soylent is like the perfect thing to bring to a magic tournament because or yeah, you just don't have set times to go and eat a meal. You have to finish around and if you have time left, go out and find something. So just bringing a few snacks and a few drinks along with you is going to make things so much easier. Yeah, it's for sure a marathon. Those things are so long. Yes, absolutely. They, again, they start at 9 a.m. Uh, if you don't have any buys. And if you're playing it all nine rounds of day one, you know, you might be going till 8 or 9 p.m. But, but now when you go to GPs, you have buys. I do have buys. I have two buys now, so I, I don't actually have to be there until closer to noon, which is extremely nice. One of the, one of the perks people don't uh, understand is so huge. So how does that work? How many, how do you get those buys? Like, do you have per, like perpetual buys? Yep. Uh, for, so it's seasonal. So I'll have two buys for, I think, the rest of this season and the next season. And that's just based on playing in enough events and doing well in enough events. So like if you go to a Grand Prix uh, and you win some matches, you're going to get more points than if you go to a Grand Prix and you lose those same matches, right? Um, and then if once you hit thir certain thresholds, you can get up to two buys just based off Planeswalker points. You can't get three buys until you're like a Platinum Pro or something or you, you've gotten some pro status. But uh, the thing about the... The buys is that not only do you get to get to the tournament later, which so you're more rested or you're you know you're well fed or whatever. Uh, the breakers are insane because you don't have to play anybody until you know round three, where you're playing against other people that are two and zero. Mm -hmm. And so when I got ninth place in Vancouver, which was modern, I, lo I lost out on breakers, and I didn't have any buys going into that tournament. Uh, so all of my opponents who had buys, they're breakers were so much higher than mine that I just didn't have a chance because I was going in as a as a no buy. Oh wow, that's so interesting. I didn't even think about it that way. Yeah, no, like buys are, are so important for getting your breakers good if you continue to win. That's amazing. So your buys are based off of planeswalker points and not pro points, right? Correct. And then eventually you can get three buys from pro points. Yeah, yeah. If not too many people will get three buys these days. <laughs> yeah. Not that many platinum pros running around. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, very cool. I think this is a good segue maybe to ask you, Kenji, what advice do you have for players trying to improve? Ooh, I would say, well, beyond self-promotion and watching Twitch streams, just watch videos, read articles, do things that are maybe out of your comfort zone. Like if you don't draft very frequently, maybe join, uh, you know, go to an FNM and do a few drafts or get on Magic Online, do a few drafts. It's a lot about the numbers that you put in. It's not entirely about that for sure, but Getting the reps in is is one of the largest thing or the, the biggest things I think you can do to improving your game, uh, and that's that goes for any format, whether it be limited or any constructed event. Just getting those reps in, knowing your matchups as a result of that is is going to help you so much. 
And so right now, are you still working on getting your numbers in for limited formats, or are you starting to shift that towards constructed formats? Well, limited is is just the thing I do. So I, I do hundreds of reps of those, you know, regardless. Actually, funny thing, I actually think I've, or while streaming, I play worse than uh, I would if I if I don't stream because, you know, I'm trying to be more entertaining. I do things that are off the cuff or more fun for the viewer's sake than you know, being like, okay, well, I'm going to take this because it's great. And it's, you know, probably going to help us win a lot better than this other card, which is really dirtily, but if you're able to do it is, is hilarious. You know? yeah. So it's a little bit awkward. Streaming at first helped me because I'm putting in all of these numbers. Uh, but now it's kind of taken away because I'm trying to do silly things. Uh-huh. Not only that, but it, like the chat offers lines that are not always the best for every for every one piece of advice the chat gives you uh that's good that's actually correct you're gonna get 50 things that are completely wrong just because people aren't looking or paying attention or they just don't know what's going yeah what's happening uh-huh yeah and it's interesting to hear you talk about perhaps maybe that shift going on and so when you're trying to get some practice in do you play offline um, I don't play much Magic offline anymore, uh, just because why would I do that if I can stream? But um, for like these constructed tournaments, definitely I was practicing playing Infect offline. Even still, I'm not putting in as much as much practice as I should be. I think. Hmm. So even with all the streaming that you're doing, because I've been watching your seven-hour streams and your eight-hour <laughs> streams and your twenty-four-hour streams, Kenji, you still want to get more time in? I don't, I wouldn't put it like that. I think I I could put in better time. Not that I want to put in more time necessarily. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. I just mean, you know, I, I, I'm just known for playing fast and loose, as they say. So, you know, I, I won't necessarily think about the lines as, as quickly as, or rather as, uh, as long as I should, thinking about what's the best play or what should I be playing around here. I'm more like, like we mentioned before, the autopilot mode where I'm just like, okay, well, this seems like the right thing. And that's, yeah, let's do that. And then I'll jump over to a different queue and. Let's do that because that seems right, and then go back. It's 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 really weird, you know. I I think Magic Online has helped me improve a lot, but I also think I take it for granted, and I don't put in the necessary work that I could be putting in. That's really interesting. Do you currently play on a team? I do not. No. Would you like to play on a team? If I made the pro tour, then I, I think I would consider it. But until then, I don't think that is necessary or even worth it. Okay. Do you want to get onto the pro tour? Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you know, these, again, like I've said, these last few years, I've definitely been putting in a lot more work trying to do so, and I've been close so many times. I think at this point in the last two years, it's like five Grand Prix win-ins where I've, you know, I've been twelve and two, and then I lose the last round. And then there were multiple online PTQ losses. In fact, the most memorable moment I had my highest viewers on Twitch was when uh, I was in the finals of a PTQ uh, and I lost it in game three. Oh no. Yeah, it was pretty brutal. Oh no, what what format was that? Uh, that was cons. I lost to collateral damage. Kenji, you're surrounded by some really high-level players, especially when you're like writing and producing content for Numot Gaming. And also earlier, you said that you worked with uh, Mana Deprived, right, up in Canada. Mm -hmm. Do you ever ask them for help? Like, who do you go to when you're feeling like you need to level up some more? Oh man. You know, I think this is something that I could definitely improve on because I don't really ever reach out for help. Um, I'm more of a, a lone wolf type person and I, I try to just do things myself. Mm -hmm. I think that, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, and one that my answer is I don't do that enough or at all. Uh huh. So I think, I think that's something I could definitely improve upon. 
if you were to reach out to somebody and get advice, who are some of the names that you would want to reach out to? Hmm. Um, well, just from streaming, I've gotten to uh, know a lot of pro Magic players. Uh, so, I mean, especially like Paul Cheon. Um, you know, he's he's another streamer on on Twitch that mm-hmm. streams Magic, and I consider him very very good. Definitely better than I am, and he's played on you know multiple pro tours and whatnot. And I think he's somebody that I could reach out to and and get some good advice from. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and then Mar- Marshall Sutcliffe, he lives like ten minutes away from me, and we talk all the time. Um, and uh, I, I think Marshall and I are probably pretty comparable in play skill. So maybe that's not the best because you generally want to play with people that are better than you to improve. Because if you play with people that are worse than you, then it's it's not going to be easy to improve. If you play with people at the same skill level, yeah, you can learn some things sometimes. But again, it, you, you're looking to play with or against people that are better than you. And I think Magic Online does definitely offer that. Uh, but it's not like getting help or advice, you know. Yeah. I've had a lot of pros uh, guests on my stream. I think most recently we had uh, Zimon Gertsen, and he's won, you know, a pro tour, top eight at pro tours. He really gave me some good insight when he was on stream. Uh, we had Steve Rubin on actually not too long ago, and he just won the most recent pro tour. So there are definitely names that I can reach out to. But it's just that I I don't do that. I feel like Marshall Sutcliffe is one of those like sleeper players. He talks about strategy, lines of play, cards. He's watching the best players. He's watching so much coverage. He's talking about so much coverage that I just feel like he can go super deep. That I think he's like the one of the maybe one of the biggest sleeper players in the Magic community. That he ever like busted out, he would be such a contender. He would be such a competitor. Oh, I think so. He, I mean, he definitely puts in a ton of time and effort. So I have nothing but uh, utmost respect for Marshall. And if he did that, I think so. But he's he's in the coverage loop right now. And uh, I think he's firmly cemented into that. Yeah, definitely. Kenji, what do you like to play better? Do you like to play online magic better or paper magic? Oh, that's a, that's a tough one. I think I like playing online more just because the ease of it all and it, you know, it does everything for you. You know, you don't have to shuffle, you don't have to do the triggers and whatnot. It's it's nicely laid out, very uniform. But that being said, there's always there's always something nice about shuffling cards or holding a grip of cards in your hand. But I think I think I like playing Magic online more just because of the simplicity of it. Yeah. What upcoming events like GPs are you going to be at? Uh, I will for sure be at be at GP Oregon, which I think is standard. I think so. Yeah, just because it's so close. And so it's just an easy one, like two and a half, three hour drive down to Portland. Besides that, I'm not too sure. Oh, wait, I know Montreal, GP Montreal is coming up again uh, closer to the end of the month. So I'll be going to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, beyond that, I don't think there was anything else I was solidified on, but there were a lot of other US GPs that I was pretty sure I was going to go to. Uh, but I think Oregon and Montreal are the only 100% locks at this point. Yeah, very cool. I think I'm also going to GP Portland. I think that's August 12th through the 14th or something like that. Yep, that's my birthday weekend. Oh, wow. Happy birthday to you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't don't be don't be weirded out if I come up to you with like a cake or something. <laughs> I won't. I'll force I, I everyone might not to eat sing. it. I might not eat it or I might I might get somebody else to take a bite of it first. But, okay. Know. Great, man. I've got some rapid fire questions for you. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. All right, let's do this. All right. Question number 1. Of the five colors of magic, white, blue, black, red, and green, what is your favorite color and why? Definitely red. Uh, when I first played constructed formats back when I was a little kid, I'd always build burn decks, and I'd always love just pointing things at my opponent's face, ignoring their creatures. I vividly remember, uh, I don't remember 
well, I, I vividly remember, I don't remember, that, that didn't make sense. I vividly remember uh, building a, a deck with Ensnaring Bridge and Burn and Blistering Fire Cats. And so I'd morph down my Blistering Fire Cat, uh, attack with it, uh, with two cards in my hand because of Ensnaring Bridge, and then morph it as a 7-1, and it just felt great. Love it. Uh, I've always loved burning things. I always loved just the direct damage of, of red since I was a little kid starting to play Magic. Uh, and I think that's just held with me. That's great. And so you're going to lean a little bit more towards red when you draft? No, not necessarily. Uh, I just like to play red. When I, like when I'm playing red, it feels good. Yeah. I'm not going to force red. Got it. Yeah. Okay. That makes kind of some sense because you were talking about playing Splinter Twin in Modern and then now playing Infect in Modern. So yes. maybe an homage to that uh, red mage style of life. Uh, kind of. I'll go with that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Awesome. All right, Kenji, question number two. If you could change something about Magic the Gathering, what would it be? Probably the casual appeal and ease of entry. Uh, I was mentioning this earlier, but, you know, Magic's trying to promote itself as more of an eSport, you know, competitive with games like Hearthstone or what have you, Hex, uh, or just other games in general, not necessarily card games, like FPSs. You know, Overwatch just came out for Blizzard, that type of thing. And those tournaments, while maybe Blizzard has a lot more cash to put behind them, I think getting players or just people in general, maybe not even players, people in general more interested about magic by by promoting it, making it a bigger thing is is something that uh, that needs to be worked on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, increasing the fan base of the game or increasing the number of players that are playing at a competitive level within the game? Uh, the ease of entry. So so new players can can join it more easily. I think it's very, very intimidating try, trying to learn magic just because, you know, if you look at one magic card, it just doesn't make any sense, right? Yeah. There's so many terms and uh, lingo that magic players say that if you don't know how to play magic and you just overhear a conversation, uh, turn one forest, tap it, play birds of paradise, go. That, that means nothing. You're just like, what in the world are you saying? You know, yeah. as, as opposed to a game like Hearthstone where it's very visual. You know what's going on because of the way things are attacking. Making magic an easier game for people to understand and learn and better viewing experiences is something that we can work on. Yeah, there's been some rumblings of a new product called Magic Digital Next. And do you think they'll maybe address some of those things in that product? I, oh, I haven't heard of this. Magic Digital Next. Uh, yeah. I hope so. Yeah. I heard about it through Travis Wu and Chris Morris Lent. Uh, CML's a writer, and he talks a lot about like history of magic and kind of where magic is going. And I, kind of, I heard it from them, uh, this new product. And so I have no idea what it is. Um, if I could take a wild guess at it, maybe it is some highly refined, highly tuned digital version of Magic with a very specific set of cards. Maybe like half of modern onward, maybe just a, or maybe just standard or like standard extended. Because they tested some of that like Duels of the Planeswalker stuff, which had like a timer, like a great user interface, but not so much in the way of deck building. So maybe full-on deck building, full-on draft and sealed, and that same great interface that can be played on tablets and some other things. Because right now, Magic Online, like managing a collection is pretty pretty clunky. I mean, it's already way easier than to, to manage than like a like a paper set, but still a little a little on the clunky side, I think. Yeah, and I know we have Magic Duels, which is a good introduction or a better introduction for players, but uh, I think there are there are more things that can't be done. Kenji, question number three. If you could give something to every Magic player, what would it be? Uh, it wouldn't be something physical. It, I think it'd be the realization that this is a game. It's meant to be fun. You know, cherish the, the friendships and the, the social building that comes with it. Uh, I know I've met a lot of and made a lot of friends 
through magic. I think a lot of times we forget that as we move more competitive, um, but it's, it's something to be played with other people. You know, it's, it's a social game. You can't, you wouldn't want to play it by yourself repeatedly, right? You want to play with other people. You want to get that, that social aspect. And yes, again, competition is important, but don't let that take over the, the fun portion of it. Okay. Yeah. So just give people kind of a, like a little bit of a different perspective. Yeah. Okay, do you feel like some players are too competitive, too about that EV, that expected value, and not so much about the fun? Oh, there are, there are definitely players that are, that are too, far, too far competitive. But, I mean, it, it's a spectrum too, right? You have the, the very casual players, and then you have the super, super competitive players. And I understand the super competitive players, you know, some of them, that's their livelihood. But there are times where you can cross a line, right, where you're trying to kind of get slight edges just by nitpicking or, you know, trying to intimidate your opponent and that i don't think that's that's good mm-hmm. okay yeah I think that's fair question number four what do you see in the future of magic the gathering i think it will continue to grow and i think uh they'll continue coming out with new sets and new new exciting ways to promote things but i'm wary of it not adapting to other games like we had mentioned before uh i think they need to to kind of reinvent themselves in the way that they're doing i mean it, it doesn't necessarily have to be coverage because i think coverage there are a lot of good things about coverage, just the way that the game is seen as a whole, because I think a lot of people have this this weird stigma about magic, and I think that's something that we need to work on, just making it more appealing. Okay, yeah, so just making it more appealing and lower the barrier to entry. And Yeah. Okay, and I also like what you said. It's not all about coverage. I mean, it's a large community. People can say lots of different criticisms, and there's a lot of pros and cons and things to lots of different things, but not necessarily... Um, coverage is the only thing that has to change so that's that's the thing people like to harp on the most though <laughs> yeah i think maybe that's the mo- most public facing one but true yeah yeah you're right it isn't it isn't all of it i mean i always think coverage is great so <laughs> i mean i definitely everyone on the coverage team knows a lot more than i do about magic and so when i just jump right into a stream i'm like i kind of do want to know what's going on so thankfully coverage is there you know <laughs> or otherwise i'd be lost and last of all, Kenji, is there any um, asks or requests that you have of the audience? Like, where can they find you on social media? Mainly, you can find me on Twitter uh, under Numot the Nummy, N U M O T T H E N U M M Y. Same goes for Twitch, uh, Numot the Nummy. I mean, you can follow me on Twitch, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, YouTube. Uh, check out Numot Gaming. If you just search for Numot the Nummy, you can find me basically anywhere. Very awesome. Do you have any requests or asks that you want the audience to do or to think about? or Just think about the state of magic and where we're going and what you can do to help improve things, you know? You don't have to just sit back and, and be a spectator, maybe just voice an opinion and uh, see what happens. I love that. Kenji, thank you so much for joining us here today on Kitchen Table Magic. I really appreciate it. Thank you and goodbye, friends. I hope to see you as part of the Num Num Dum Dum Sub Club over on my stream soon. Hope you enjoyed my interview with Kenji Egashira. You can see Numa in all his glory at twitch.tv slash NumaTheNummy. His Twitter handle is also at NumaTheNummy. Kenji's going to be at GP Portland, so if you're going to be there August 12th through the 14th, let's all sing happy birthday for him. He said that he would not eat a cake if I brought it, so maybe I'll have to bring him some happy birthday granola bar or something. I don't know, just something more healthy. 
Kenji, along with everyone on the Wizards coverage team, has been working really hard. So like Kenji said, don't just sit there and be a spectator. Speak up, voice your opinion, and we can make Magic a better game for everyone. Thanks for listening to my interview with Kenji Egashira. Coming up in the next episode of Kitchen Table Magic... And it may even change what the game is perceived to be to the outside world, which is chiefly nothing at this point. So I thought maybe a good way to remedy that would be to write a book that um, appealed to people within magic and outside of magic, which nothing really is done <laughs> for quite some time. I think we need broader publicity outside of magic, and I don't know why, aside from a, a certain community myopia or a desire not to look under the hood, that we have such a huge game that's so profitable and don't try to get the same amount of coverage on mainstream gaming sites even. Not not just sites like Gawker, but somewhere like Polygon or Kotaku or IGN or Daily.esports or gaming or what have you. That smaller games and games that are, in my opinion, not as good as Magic get a lot of play on. I'm talking to writer Chris Morris Lent, whose refreshingly subversive style of writing has covered a host of topics, including sit-down peeing, CSGO skins betting, and the time Chris won an SCG Open while on shrooms. Chris has written for Gawker, Seattle Weekly, Daily Dot, and Kotaku. He'll also be talking to us about his new book, A Brief History of Magic Cards. It documents Chris's journey from when he started playing kitchen table magic, all the way to him competing in Pro Tour Dragons of Tarkir all on the next episode of Kitchen Table Magic. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to Season 1 of Kitchen Table Magic. I'd really like to hear from you, the fans, about what you think about the show. Send me a tweet, at KTM Podcast. If you're listening through iTunes, Google Play, or your podcast app, leave me some feedback with a review. If you're listening on SoundCloud, leave a comment on the track. Visit our website, kitchentablemagic.org to sign up for my newsletter and of course email me anytime with your questions. My email is sam at kitchentablemagic.org and if you're enjoying the show please support us at patreon.com slash kitchentablemagic All of your donations go towards making this show better for my listeners and fans and of course all Patreon supporters get very special perks and remember if you like what you hear please share Kitchen Table Magic with a friend Thanks for making it this far and not shutting it off when you heard all the announcements. As a reward to my loyal listeners, I'm doing a giveaway. I'm going to send you something cool in the mail, direct from my personal collection of magic cards. Okay, ready? All you have to do is tweet the answer to this question. In episode one, my guest, Travis Wu, shared a story where he went to GP Oakland. Travis said something funny to Marshall Sutcliffe. What did Travis say to Marshall? Tweet the answer to me at KTM Podcast, and you must include at Travis Wizard and at Marshall underscore LR. So tweet to the three of us what funny thing Travis said to Marshall at GP Oakland. I'll choose at random a lucky person who tweeted the correct answer, and I'll send you something nifty. Well, we don't really have any sponsors for the show, you know how it goes, but in true magic fashion, I sold some magic cards to fund this amazing podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by Tarmogoyf, because I sold some extra Tarmogoyfs I had to a friend of mine. Players often go on and on about how good Tarmogoyf is, and other players don't really see the value of Tarmogoyf because it just eats removal all day long. Regardless of how people feel about Tarmogoyf, I'd like to talk about another aspect of Tarmogoyf. What is it, anyways? I mean, look at the thing. It's like a blob. It's got eyes everywhere. It's got spines everywhere. In the Future Sight artwork, it looks kind of like a bison gone wrong. And then in the Modern Masters artwork, it looks a lot better. Like, we kind of know what it is. 
but the thing has a gaping mouth that covers the entire face of whatever it is. And also, what is a Lurgoyf? I mean, what is it? I tried to Google it. I couldn't find anything. It was all magic related. I just said what a Lurgoyf was, but that doesn't really answer my question. So, I don't know. I guess for $140, I'm buying a two-drop that I'm still not really sure what it does. All I know is that it swings in for a lot of damage and closes the game. Maybe that's what it is.